0: What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to the post-draft episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. We survived the weekend. The Bengals ended up making, what was it, seven picks today That's instead right. of the 10?
1: Yeah, they were scheduled that for 10. They were 10, scheduled but they'd for?
0: Three trade-ups. They traded their three three of their six sixth round picks and one of their one fifth round picks to move That's up in confusing. the fourth round. Well, you know. We're all confused. Before we get too deep into talking about the draft, I just want to give our listeners a gentle reminder that if you do have any safety needs in your place of work to call Abco Safety, mention Locked on Abco. Get 15% off your first order. You can give them a call at 513-672-1818. Now, talking about the draft, they moved up immediately in the fourth round. The draft starts, Hakeem Butler goes, I say goodbye, Hakeem the dream. And then, oh, the Bengals are on the clock. Oh, maybe they're going to draft Blake Cashman. Oh, no, they pick a quarterback instead. Oh, it's a quarterback. Oh, it's Ryan Finley.
1: Was Ryan, that your reaction? No, nope, it wasn't. Like
0: no, nope, oh, okay. I'm, I'm playing it up. Ryan Finley was, though, our fifth quarterback in terms of our grading. He was actually fourth in terms of raw grade, but his right. age primarily, I think, knocked him down, puts him behind Drew Locke because he'll be 24 entering the league, whereas Drew Locke is 22 entering the league. Yep. And the thing that has his score in the Drew Loc- Drew Lock neighborhood is much better production, yep. Better size and much much better PFF grading, especially in terms of passing in the last 2 years.
1: There's two guys I looked at for the backup role for the Bengals and it's two things that they've always liked. Production score has to be over 70 and experience. They want at least two-year starter, but they mostly is, it's been three-year starters for them uh, drafting. And that left Jared Stidham and Ryan Finley. In my mock, I had them taking a quarterback in the fourth round to be the backup. I gave him Stidham because I thought Ryan Finley would be gone in the third round. Some people really liked him. I thought he is a very good backup option. So getting him in the fourth round, I've got no problem with that pick at all. I think it's it's very fair for the, for the fourth round in a position. People ask him, what, what should they target? And I thought, wide receiver, defensive line, quarterback here. And uh, it made sense to take a quarterback, and they were linked to him, and they liked him. Two out of three ain't bad.
0: I will say for Ryan Finley, I watched a couple of his games. It looks like he is a smart quarterback. I think he is an excellent backup. I think he's probably as well as you can do around the NFL for a backup, unless you have somebody like Teddy Bridgewater, Jimmy Garoppolo, no. those kinds of guys that are future starters. Aaron exactly. Rodgers way back when he was a backup. You know, first-round backups, for the most yeah. part, is what I'm talking about. Or, the, or young
1: guys with upside that you still think. And Ryan Finley would go into that maybe category, right?
0: Well, maybe. I think Jarrett Stidham is the guy that you pick there if you want the upside guy. Yeah. The guy who's coming from a very simple offense, has some tools you can work with, had really yep. good production still. Yep. You, you can see where that goes, right? But Finley is a guy that comes in. I think he's immediately the best backup they've had since he Strickle, right? I think since
1: Kitna. Okay, that's well, uh, Gradkowski was here. Jason Campbell was decent for a backup. No, Brian Fitzpatrick. So throw Uh, that out. Fitzpatrick was (laughs)
0: Fitzpatrick is the only one out of all of those that I would say. And, and, And 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 when when Finley has two years under his belt, I would say Fitzpatrick was not
1: good for the Bengals. No, but he was a he was you could tell his career. I mean, I'm looking at his career as a whole. He wasn't good for the Bengals. That whole entire offense was in shambles, but he is a good backup. Now he is. Here's the point, though. I think he's a better pick to be your backup than A.J. McCarron was in the fifth round. One-round difference, I like Finley much more than I like McCarron.
0: I don't think the offense misses much of a
1: beat with Finley coming in if Dalton goes down, to be honest. And here's the thing We're watching tape of, of Finley and NC State. Very accurate quarterback, throws with anticipation. The offense is a pro-style offense, in my opinion. A lot of the same concepts. It looks to me like the Rams-style passing offense. It's no surprise to me that he impressed them with his, with his mind and intelligence and board work. Uh, they gave him uh, protections and blitz pickups and things like that and had them reteach it to their coaches, and apparently he aced it and they loved it. So... It makes sense. They want a backup that can come in and and give them spot starts if needed. I think Ryan Finley immediately is their number two quarterback. And people start to question after that, well, what's the upside? Where – you know, what can he be? Being 24 years old, starting for three years – I think we're pretty close to his upside, and that's it was reflected in the grades we gave him. He would have graded out even higher had I have been a little bit more generous in in the traits while watching him on tape, because uh, he doesn't have a strong arm. I think his 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 attributes are his mind, his anticipation, and accuracy. He's actually really accurate at the second level. I think the intermediate range. I think he throws a great back shoulder ball, uh, and and really gets it to the right guy in almost every single play. There's a few boneheaded plays. I think he can get pressured and make some mistakes. I think he knows his arm is weak and he doesn't want to test it all the time. And that, that leads his receivers to uh, certain tough situations. But uh, I also, you noted, Jake, that the receivers aren't very good there. Kelvin Harmon, who some people thought was a third, fourth round pick, goes in the seventh round. And I think it, it shows that... Uh, Finley really wasn't working with a lot of talent, even though the offense was pretty sophisticated. I think he's a good backup. I think this is a fine pick in the fourth round. I've got no problem with it. The only problem is people, uh, as I'm gathering information, talking to people, is that uh, he kind of had an attitude a little bit at at NC State. He's a transfer, I think, from Boise State. Uh, He fell a little bit because some teams, I guess, were rubbed the wrong way. Now, I like an attitude in my quarterback. It's something we really don't have in the starter. But, uh, you know, just worth noting. A few other notes. Going into the cleansing
0: game that I watched, which, if you're looking for games to watch watch on Ryan Finley, don't bother with the cleansing game. That whole team is severely outmatched. Finley. Led the NC State offense to a 60% third down conversion rate through their first five games. And I know a yeah. lot of the first five games in college football are like preseason games against Division II teams, but that's still really good. They led the country, I think. They're one of the top third down offenses in the country. Like you said, I noticed that his receivers didn't get separation to the point where I was questioning, is this the receivers or is it his arm strength? Because it doesn't look like he's putting a ton on the ball when he throws. Also, as you mentioned, I think his accuracy is really, really good we talked about short accuracy not necessarily being an, a positive attribute for quarterbacks. You expect all quarterbacks to be pretty accurate short. Right. The, the, the back shoulder stuff is there. And I thought his his he, he hit some receivers in the hands on deep passes, too, that they dropped, yep. especially against Clemson. I think ball had, placement, right? They had three drops on on really well-thrown deep balls against Clemson. Yeah, ball placement. I, I think, actually, though, on that note, though, and maybe this is the receivers that he was playing with, sometimes the ball sails on him. That, that yep. was a bit of a trend uh and and occasionally it seemed like you know there was too too much 50 50 ball to his game and like you said a little bit of freneticism under under pressure not making good decisions there but then other times he looks like he negotiates the pocket under pressure really well and i think Mm -hmm. his accuracy doesn't
1: suffer that badly on the run at least in the short
0: to intermediate range
1: yeah and if you look at pff grades he was one of the um On the below average guys when when dealing with pressure, but against the Blitz, he was one of the above average quarterbacks. And that makes sense to me because mentally, and then you're hitting a guy that's wide open. So you don't need the arm strength, right? You need to pick the right guy. And I think that's where he he has success. And I definitely why he probably blew the Bengals away when they they brought that up to him and and had him break down blitzes and pickups. So, uh, again, I think this is a very fine pick for them. In fact, he is our third highest graded player they drafted out of this draft.
0: And and this is, of course, a proprietary and innovative grading system that we're oh, refining. Yeah. It's oh, gonna yeah. it's gonna have some changes next year. I can already tell you that. We're sure of it. Uh any other notes on Ryan Finley? He's gonna be a backup. Makes me feel a lot better about the backup position. Let's look at the next player that the Bengals drafted. Rennell Wren. Back did they move up for Renell Wren as well? No, that's the one that no. they that was the pick they acquired from from Denver. Denver. They they picked Renell Wren, who is a guy that before we looked at the analytics, before we looked at his production, before we looked at his PFF
1: grading, you really liked. I did Good like athlete. him a lot. Good senior yeah. bowl. And a lot of evaluators liked him that are tape-based guys. And when I say tape, it's not – you, if you go watch him, you're going to watch a lot of bad snaps and bad reps because he goes rogue way up, way too often. He loses vision way too often. I'm going to start with the bad. Uh, he loses leverage at times. He He loses his guy. I, I just – there are too many plays where he's doing whatever he wants or failing to accomplish his goal as a nose tackle. And that's what he played at Arizona State. He's a nose tackle. But when you watch him individually, so we get one on one drills. First time I was exposed to him, and I'm sitting with a, the whole host of Draft Twitter, and we're watching him uh, live. And the man is strong and agile and, and explosive out of his snap, out of his stance. Garrett Bradbury, who goes in the first round, he rocked him back a few times and just shed him easily. Uh, Rennell Wren was a star in practice one-on-one. And then you go, okay, the upside's there. The ability is there. He grabbed our attention so often and then they get into 11 on 11 or even seven on seven and they go through run run drills and they're trap blocking him and they're getting him to run upfield and then and then hitting him his awareness is extremely low and you can see why once we got the pff grades after and, and then the, the production scores production scores tend to be low for nose tackles anyways so i was okay with that uh but the pff grades are really low on him and it's because he gets in too many situations where he just cannot make a play or he's hurting his team because he's over aggressive or just unaware of his surroundings. Special awareness needs to be uh really something I think you're born with or not. So I think that's gonna keep him a little bit lower because he tested like a ninety seven percentile athlete. So here's a nose tackle that is a true nose tackle in terms of power and strength. Type in his name, go on Twitter. i I retweeted a bunch today. He levels centers constantly. Uh and he's got actual athleticism, which is very rare to find for a nose tackle. That's why I liked him. He just has never put it all together. Fourth round opportunity, fourth round uh, lottery ticket here. I think is completely worth it, and I'm glad they did it. And once you got to this third tier of defensive tackles, there's a, only a couple guys to pick from. We talked about this going into into today's show. We talked about this yesterday after Kalen Saunders went right. We were like, eh, Michael Dogby, Rinald Wren, Remember this, Jake? That was really those two guys. And yeah, there's Ren goes not in the fourth there. And Dogby went in the sixth round, I think, to the Cardinals. So it really – I'm glad they got Ronell Renn because I wanted them to get another nose tackle. And, and a guy with athleticism, honestly, he – they don't have the backup nose tackle guy. They draft – or – uh three-tech guy. They drafted Andrew Brown last year out of Virginia, and he really didn't make the team. Went on IR, fifth-round pick. I think Wren gives them backup nose-tackle ability, plus the upside of maybe he can be a three-tech. Maybe in a different role. Maybe if he's not two-gapping all the time, maybe he can be a penetrator with elite strength. If not, I think he, at the very least, uh, he could back up as, as a nose-tackle to Andrew Billings. He does have
0: the lowest production grade of all of the interior defensive linemen that we graded in this series, but he has the fourth highest athleticism, too, behind only Quinton Williams, Ed Oliver, and Jerry Tillery. And these are guys yeah. that are being drafted to be th- three techs, almost exclusively. Yeah. Or, well, I don't know. I guess Quinton Williams and Jerry Tillery might play everywhere. But Ed Oliver, clearly three tech. And Renell Wren is in the neighborhood athletically. Like That's a weird mix, point right?
1: Away. Yeah, real, weird mix. And that's why his production scores are low. If you look at the nose tackles listed on our sheet, those guys are going to end up with lower production scores. Uh, I think Dexter Lawrence actually was decent. But if you go to his pass rush productivity from PFF, he is the worst out of everyone we have in there. He was graded and, really poorly too, which means he wasn't yeah. getting wins either, according no, to it, their to their eye. And you watch him. He doesn't have a second move. It's bull rush leverage, and that's it. But in the senior bowl practice, one-on-one, he's killing people with swim moves and stuff. As soon as he hit those guys with the bull rush, and they're coming back for a next rep – these guys are waiting on that bull rush. And once you do that, you have the opportunity to beat them with some, some finesse moves. So there is upside here. A lot of upside. Maybe more upside than anyone they drafted in these first five picks that they made. Well, I think
0: Bengals fans are probably hoping that there's some crazy upside with Drew Sample.
1: True. I guess that's true. You're hoping it's there. I think it's more likely in-run Ren. out-run.
0: It's interesting, actually, just to talk about Drew Sample quickly, because this is a pick that's being panned the most for the Bengals. If you threw out the Drew Sample pick, throw A.J. Brown in that spot or something like that. The the whole perspective, I think, on the entire draft changes, unless you really it, wanted Dwayne It goes Atkins,
1: from a B to an A.
0: Right? Like, pretty easily. The second yeah. round pick is really weighing it down and coloring my perspective of the draft quite a bit, especially in day three when it's like... I really want certain guys that I like that are my guys and that'll make me feel a lot better. They didn't right. get any of them.
1: But the but that impact is so much less to the entire draft.
0: So so the, the thing I wanted three. to mention though, yeah, that is true. The, day, the the second round pick is is a high impact pick and missing there yep. and maybe they didn't miss there, but missing there in i in the eyes of the consensus of the draft community, experts, projectors, whatever you want to call them, they all had Drew samples a fifth round pick, but you ask Zach Taylor today, he says, "Well, you know what? We don't think he's going to be there in the third round." Cat Terrell said the same thing. Sounds like Dane Brugler said the same thing.
1: That's right. So, what they're hearing is a lot of teams like him, and here's here's the dilemma between projecting the draft and evaluating players, and sometimes you get stuck in between, and sometimes they match up, sometimes they don't. Right? Uh, if We watched Drew Sample, and we talked about Sample a lot, and we're just touching on him. I know we talked about the other day, but I've been thinking about this today. I like Sample on tape. I like Sample in his upside. I like Sample as a blocker. I wish Sample had more production. I wish I had more opportunities to see him as a complete receiver. But having said that, I liked him, and he's a guy I targeted a lot. I gave him to them. I gave the Bengals Sample in the sixth round because I liked him, the upside, and I thought he was a great fit for what they wanted to do at the wide tight end spot and be the third tight end for them. So having said all that, my evaluation of the value was probably wrong. It, you know, it just – in our system, the production weighed him down so far that it made him like a day three pick. And but it wasn't just us.
0: I mean, no, yes, for it us wasn't. it was a production that weighed him down, but also the receiving grade because he wasn't used that way.
1: Right. And my, my point being is that uh, I would say that the inverse is Mac Wilson. We He was projected to go in round two. We thought he was like a fifth-round pick, right? So had you had they have taken Mac Wilson in round 2, everyone celebrates it. And yet we go, nah, I really don't like. Yeah, the value's fine, but we really don't like the pick, we don't like the player. So yeah. we would have argued against it. And he, he got picked in is, the 5th round. Exactly. So he went where he should have, where we thought, and we looked like the idiots or the outliers before the process. So, uh, you know, for me to get a player that I like way earlier is getting is better to me than getting good value on a player I don't like, like Mac Wilson in round two. I'd much rather them take Drew Sample than Mac Wilson in round two. I'll be yeah. honest with you. he Not only did he grade higher, but he's a player I like rather than a player I don't like. So, yeah. um, you know, that's the that's the hard kind of juggle. Yes, he doesn't even, he's the lowest guy we've graded that they drafted. But at the same time, um, they could have drafted a bunch of players that would have made us more happy or happier, I guess I should say. And I don't know where I'm going with this, but my, my idea is, I'd rather get a good player than a player I don't like, even if the value is completely way off than what I projected.
0: Draft good players. That's what they say. Also interesting. If you look at the tight ends that went between when the Bengals would have picked next, Josh Oliver goes three five to Jacksonville. Jay Sterberger goes three eleven to Green Bay. So there were there were a bunch of tight ends picked in that range. The Bengals traded back ends, though. Regardless, uh yeah, you're right. Uh Trayvon Blesco goes today four nineteen, Foster Moreau goes four thirty five. So those are yeah. guys that Foster Moreau especially, I think, that that's more in the neighborhood. But then, you know, the other blocker that CJ Conrad, Kentucky, he had some health issues too. He goes undrafted.
1: Yeah. And I'd still take CJ Conrad if, if they wanted to dip into their undrafted free agency. Anyways, we should move on to the to the picks they didn't make for day three.
0: We should. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll come back and finish up with the last fourth rounder, uh, three six rounders and a seventh round guy. And we'll touch on the priority free agents we know about right now, the college free agents we know about right now. For the most part, we're not going to know about these guys right away, but we'll tell you about the ones we do know about after a quick break.
2: They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Welcome back to the Locked On Bengals Podcast. We are recapping day three and really the draft in general. I think we'll uh, do a full recap and talk next week, but we're focusing on day three today and after the Bengals, in the fourth round, traded up again to give them three fourth-round picks. So they went Ryan Finley, they went Rennell Wren, and now they're going up to get Ohio State offensive lineman, most likely interior offensive lineman, Michael Jordan. What do you think yeah. about that, Jake?
0: Well, after they traded up and picked Michael Jordan, I tweeted, I don't like this draft very much. I was on my way to see endgame at this point. I was in the car just seeing if anything crazy happened to the end of the fourth round on Twitter, seeing if, you know, Ben Curvin, went or Blake Cashman went finally, and... I see they trade up. I'm like, oh, yeah, maybe they're going to do it. They're going to get my dude Burke Kirvin. And instead, they pick Michael Jordan. And it's just like, okay, great. They have an unexciting interior lineman. And then I get some flack in my mentions right away, like, oh, yeah, no, this is a good pick. Michael Jordan, good player. And I immediately dismiss all of that as Ohio State fans. But he does have really good size. You give that to me as fantastic size. 34 inch arms. He's 6'6 almost uh three twelve he had good athleticism at least not great good athleticism mm. had a decent twenty eighteen in terms of p f f grading doesn't, doesn't doesn't turn up well as a run blocker so no, I, I he mean, was he's... better in
1: twenty seventeen and that's the consensus uh when he played left guard and i think I remember watching him when when watching Billy Price and thinking, man, that guy next to him has got some length and, and agility to him. And uh, a lot of those reach blocks that Billy Price couldn't get to, it was falling on the shoulders of Michael Jordan. And I thought Jordan and and, and Price worked really well in tandem. And, and Jordan was the one climbing to the second level and walling off and getting good blocks. I think sometimes it gets a little upright. Uh, he invites that that. Power inside, because I, I think when you're six six with 34 inch arms, it's a different kind of battle for you when you're an interior guy. Uh, while that's a, it can be an asset and it can be a, a, an advantage, sometimes those Geno Atkins guys get inside you and there's no there's nothing you can do with your long arms and that long back you got, and you're you're just you know you losing leverage instantly. So I think that hurts Michael Jordan at times. I wish he was. I think he was recruited as a tackle. They had their tackle spots filled. He, he moved into guard, moved into center like they've done with Pat Elfline Billy Price, and then Jordan. It just didn't fit Jordan, it looks like. Uh, So I think while he has the versatility to back up Billy Price, I think this fourth-round pick is a decent pick for an offensive lineman. It's where Clint Bowling was drafted, right? He has a chance to be the backup interior guy. Uh, That room is getting really full right now, too. It's incredibly full. It's very, very full. It's kind of people are starting to wonder what's going to happen who, what what veteran is on the outs, and it's kind of a scary thought and it's kind of a scary answer because I think it's pointing to one guy. Well, um, there's
0: two possibilities with no Doug cap hit, right it's It's a left tackle and it's a left guard
1: Yep, and they drafted a left tackle and they drafted a left guard in my opinion so uh, well yeah, they have
0: it's... and they have and they have Westerman there and, and they that's, have Westerman. What, that's where they like well where the previous regime liked Westerman was a left guard.
1: Yeah, it's very interesting. Very that that O line group is full. I mean, we're we and we're not even talking about Trey Hopkins. He could start if needed. Uh, this is a very similar guy to Trey Hopkins, I think, in my opinion. Very similar strengths weaknesses. Uh, so Michael Jordan, I liked him actually. When you look at the grades we gave out pre draft, Jordan is the best guy they picked on day three. He, I'm sorry, Brian Finley's got a higher grade, uh, but he grades higher than Ronald Ren, Rodney Anderson, and uh, we didn't have grades on the other guys. But so 72 is very fine value for fourth round. That's where he should have went and. I know some people that really, really liked him thought that the the development is on a definite curve where you can see him getting better all the time, and I think there's still some upside with Michael Jordan. Uh, I'm interested to see this. The, the bigger conversation to me is that complete O-line room and, and the turnover, and it's been... Do you think how many players they've added in the last two years now? Yeah. Yeah.
0: So you have... Cordy Glenn, Clint Bowling, Christian Westman, Billy Price, Trey Hopkins, Brad Lumblade, Alex Redmond, John Miller, Rod Taylor, Bobby Hart, Kent Perkins, and then they add Jonah Williams, Michael Jordan, a couple undrafted
1: yeah. guys. Yeah. That Sutherland guy is an undrafted guy from Texas A&M, so he's already got the end with Jim Turner. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he's, you know, knocking on a door on a spot, if he has a good camp in preseason.
0: Yeah. And you, you look at the Bobby Hart contract, it keeps getting worse.
1: Yeah, it's terrible.
0: You, you, we don't want to keep look bringing at, it up, but geez, you look at the Troy Blackburn quote. It keeps getting worse. Horrible. And now it looks like Clint Bowling is a potential cut. Cordy Glenn has no dead
1: cap hit. Is it weird to you that they signed a tackle, they signed a tight end, they signed a linebacker, and we they signed about a guard this yesterday, and then they draft all those and positions. they draft all of them, and all of them look like they could play and play quality minutes this year, and like the upgrade for a veteran and the difference in what you're paying these guys are five times as much for the veterans, if not more. And you are probably aren't getting much better play by these, from these guys. It's very interesting what they did. They doubled up at these positions. Now, if the process uh, really creates competition and you get a good player because of it, fine. We'll, we'll look at it completely different in a couple of years. But right now it seems like an awful waste of resources to build a good team for this year. This is more like a draft for next year and the year beyond.
0: Well, This is the roster turn that you might expect with the new yeah, coach. This is they're exactly. bringing in their guys, right? They're maybe maybe they don't like Clint Bowling. Maybe Clint and Bowling doesn't Clint. fit in with with uh, Jim Turner. These are guys that were acquired and, and stalwarts by the old regime
1: because so they want
0: their own guys.
1: Yeah, you're right, and that could be definitely it. And uh,
0: maybe there's but, another really influential offensive line coach on the Bengals after we just got rid of the old one. And I mean. Lost Frank Pollock, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, that doesn't sound ideal. So I, I don't hate the Michael Jordan grade, I actually. No, I don't
0: it, uh, mean to rag on
1: it too much. No, I think that's a fine pick for the end of the fourth round. Now, they didn't have a fifth-round pick, uh, obviously, we're moving up. Sixth round, they take Texas A&M running back, Travion Williams. So this is... We didn't have a grade on Travion, but uh, he was a very productive player. I plan on going back and watching him. We've got kind of a preliminary grade on him now, but we got to go back and get a solidified tape grade. We got one now based on all the other data we put in. The, the key thing for me that I notice is that you've got Jim Turner, who was his uh, O line coach at A and M, and anytime your O line coach advocates for the running back, that means he's a smart runner and he's hitting the right hole, and uh, he appreciates him as a as a run game guy and, a, and an O line guy that's a, that speaks a lot to him. So I think, uh, from that standpoint that, that you should like to pick, but, um, uh, there's still some things I think we need to look at. And especially when they double up on running back kind of racing my bros.
0: Yeah. I think the thing about Travion Williams is he's not a great athlete and he's really small. Yeah. So he's, he's five, eight, two Oh six. So that's what Gio Bernard size. If that is Gio bigger than
1: that. Geo is on just a shade. He's about five eight and about he was two oh five. So it's about so it's the same. Geo
0: size minus Geo's receiving
1: ability minus Geo's
0: athleticism. He
1: he was a, he was a decent receiver actually in college. I, I think he had twenty seven catches this year, twenty the year before, which is actually pretty significant for a running back. I
0: guess what I say take away the receiving is his receiving grading was really bad
1: uh, from from PFF, and I'll pull up
0: why. If, I wonder,
1: if, Ray, if that's pass blocking or pass protection, right?
0: Uh, Yeah, that's true because it's just a pass grade. It says it doesn't say – th- no,
1: you don't, I think it does say receiving grade. I'll, okay. I'll pull him up. All right, you do that, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit more because uh, looking at it and coming into this, and, and I think people rose this, or, or asked this question when – after they drafted Rodney Anderson, which we'll get to him. Uh, why take two running backs? And we all knew they would. they would – want to take a back at some point here but really if you look at it it's Joe Mixon Giovanni Bernard and we don't know who the third and fourth guy is at this point it's not like last year where it seemed pretty clear that they had Trey Carson and the guy I'm forgetting that they got from the Falcons that went back to the Falcons and uh and they drafted Mark Walton in the fourth round so it was pretty clear they had competition there the Bengals have wide open we like Quentin Flowers but remember he's a quarterback so he still needs some development I'd like to see that in preseason this year but point being is taking two sixth round running backs I love the actual value they're putting there here from here's from a team that spent three second round picks, premium picks on running backs and then come back and take Walton in the fourth. We were sick of it at that point. That's the reason why a lot of people hated the Walton pick is because, come on guys, you're not, uh, you know, you're not acquiring what all these teams are doing and, and really hitting that market inefficiency of getting these cheap late round running backs that can help you and produce for you they really just turned the blind eye to rex uh burkhead for most of his career when that could have been good cheap production and here they are taking two sixth round guys i love it i think it's that's how you do it i do it every single year i take two sixth round running backs and figure out if one of them can be anything for you so doing that i i think the process wise get some praise from me right there yeah
0: and I think we should probably talk about their approach overall so I've pulled up his PFF data his receiving grading really really bad in 2017 average in 2018 okay the drop rate doesn't kill him I I think he's probably just not doing anything special I don't I think he's not he's not doing anything that you know he's not running routes like Rex Burkhead did for the Bengals a couple times you're not going to put him out wider in the slot like they do with Geo he'll catch the ball out of the backfield and be fine doing it
1: okay rodney anderson
0: us? on the other hand is is a much more complete kind of back and i think had really good receiving grading before he got
1: hurt his uh last year in school if rodney anderson wasn't hurt though he goes way higher than than oh, yeah. he goes he goes third round i think he might go second round to be honest with you i think rodney anderson is a very very talented and good runner yeah um so, no you know, it's, it's the injury that knocks him back. And he's had multiple injuries and some significant ones. But if he's healthy, man, he may be the backup. He may beat Travion right away. Travion may be here because he's kind of more of the – it's funny. He's more of the Geo. Rodney Anderson is more like, more, more like uh, Joe Mixon. So, yeah. And and he has a connection with Jim Turner. So I think both make the roster, especially if Anderson's healthy. Those etcher your three and four. Anderson also had good blocking grades before he got
0: yep. here which yeah. we like to see. Uh, I did want to talk about the approach though, that we saw from the Bengals on day four. They they traded up twice day in the three. fourth round day three, not day four round four. They traded up twice in the fourth round. Yep. They, they went up to get a quarterback and they went up to get uh Jordan. Uh, yeah. Michael Jordan, the, the offensive center guard, whatever you want to call him, interior lineman. They, they had their eyes on these guys and went up and got them. They weren't the guys that, that I necessarily wanted. they, but but they were there, guys. And when you look at the logic and the process, I appreciate that. And then in the sixth round, they come back and they pick two running backs, which, which like Joe said, you really appreciate that. And then they picked Deshaun Davis, who that's yeah. a bit of a head scratcher.
1: Here's why they did it, Deshaun Davis. Now, he's got a terrible athleticism score. Um, he was very productive. I think he had 103 tackles this year for Auburn, which is very good in college. And you, you hear what Willie Anderson says about him, and it's been echoed by other people too, that he is a grinder, a hard worker, intelligent guy. Uh, yeah, he, he called the plays for them in two-minute or, or no-huddle situations. He was calling the defensive plays. In college, that really doesn't happen. So what is this kind of pick? And the Bengals have made this pick before. This is a Chris Worley. This is getting your, um, your Vincent Ray. And those guys were undrafted. This is somebody they targeted as a priority free agent, and they didn't want to lose him. He's coming in. He's going to be a complete backup, special teamer, leader type, mental guy. This is a Darren Simmons pick. He usually gets one a year, and it's hard to figure out whether it's Clayton Fedulum or whoever it is. Simmons usually gets a pick, and this is his guy, it seems like, this year, Deshaun Davis. Uh, I would have liked a true double dip at linebacker with some of the guys that went one round ahead of him. Uh, you know, they did this before when they took Marquise Flowers, and Telvin Smith was gone within a few picks of that they went for the special teams guy. This is what they typically do. They target these special teams guys on day three rather than saying, you know what, uh, Ben Burke still there, or whatever the case may be. And they missed out on those guys, obviously. But that's what the Davis pick is. I'm not trying to defend the Davis pick because I think you draft athletes when you can and they didn't hear they targeted a, a special teamer and that's what he's going to do.
0: Yeah, he had a very poor athleticism profile and that comes from his pro day mostly. He's also undersized, so he's – Five eleven and yep. a half. He's two thirty-four, so he's like the same size as Burke hervin and he's actually shorter. and yeah, He's he's the size of uh Devin Bush.
1: Size they of thought Devin was Bush. too small, right? Or so, or at least that was echoed. And actually three pounds
0: lighter and a much worse athlete. However, you look at pff he has really good run defense grading, really bad pass rushing coverage grading. So, you know, you make If you need to use him, you have use him in the goal line or something, I guess, but you know, then he's going to probably get
1: washed out because he's going to have, right. Someone has given up a hundred pounds. Someone asked me, so is this better than Hardy Nickerson? And I thought it probably is Hardy Nickerson. Yeah. They, they could be the same person for all I care. Yep. And new regime getting their guy and uh Simmons getting another guy. So I, this is the sixth round and late sixth round. I, they do this. It, it's not a surprise. This in another thing on the approach, uh, this is a very typical Bengals draft, in my opinion, based on the history. This is Duke Tobin, and, and definite. like I said, I did those filters. Questions from everyone was, well, how different should it be with the, with the coaching staff? They, you could throw these out. And no, I would go after this, and I would say, confirmed, you cannot throw those out. Those are still applied for I, almost everyone, but Sean Davis didn't pass a couple. Uh, but all the other guys passed their filters. And uh, for me, I think it's still a marriage between – Duke Tobin and Zach Taylor in the extensions of those guys in their departments. Yeah. You, you know, it's not just, Hey, these guys pass our filters, draft them. It's these guys pass our filters. Which one of them do you guys like? All right, here's our board of 120. Let's draft them.
0: Also here's the guys that you coached or coached against.
1: Yeah, I guess that works <laughs> put, too. <laughs> put a lot of A&M
0: guys on the list and, and we'll get to the free agents. They did sign at least one Texas AM offensive lineman, which is why I mentioned maybe they're giving that, offensive line coach, a little bit of power again. But the last pick that the Bengals made in the seventh round is cornerback quarter, Jordan Brown. And was it South Dakota State?
1: It was, SDSU. And okay. he was at the Senior Bowl also. So they they drafted a lot of Senior Bowl guys. Drew Sample, yeah. Jermaine Pratt, Ryan Finley, Ronell Wren, uh, and then uh, Jordan Brown. So heavy on that. Their the first exposure of this draft season must have made a mark on him. Does that to me too, so I understand it. Uh, Jordan Brown, only thing I remember on him, and it's only clips. I have not watched the full game. Someone actually just sent me a couple of links. So I will do that. We, we don't have a grade on him. But ball skills. He over, had over 30 pass deflections in his career. And at the Senior Bowl, I remember that. And he's got good straight line speed and athleticism. He's got decent size. A lot of people liked him as a sleeper corner pick, day three guy to target. I like this pick a lot. I wish I had a more concrete feeling. I like what people have said about him, basically. So, 7th round. loves him. Yeah. They're, if you watch his highlights, I retweeted a bunch of them. Ball skills and length, man. You know me. That's what
0: I like. I guess I should say PFF loves him in relation to where he was picked. They have him as a solid early fifth round pick, I believe, 150.
1: Yeah. That's what it sounds or like for everyone who, who likes him. Yeah. Everyone that likes him says, oh, third, third day three, I wanted this guy. I wanted whoever their team was to take Brown. So I'm glad the Bengals got him.
0: The Just to finish up the PFF overall stuff, Michael Jordan was 123rd on their board. I think the Bengals got him after that,
1: right? Yeah, late fourth round would be in that range, because they picked 125th when they took uh, uh, Renell Wren. Yeah.
0: I will say, looking at Jordan Brown's grading at the Senior Bowl, he did not have a very good game. No, he, he, up, he struggled. He gave up four. Sorry, he, he was targeted a total of nine times. Ooh. He gave up six completions for touchdown. He forced one incomplete pass on throws into his coverage. Average depth of target for him was probably around twelve.
1: Twelve yards so downfield overall. Best game to watch is probably the senior bowl game. Sorry, those might be practices. Either way. Either way, it's got it's against the best competition he faced all year. Because yeah, that, coming from San Diego. That's practices. San, South Dakota, I said San Diego, SD, right? Yeah, okay, South Dakota. Yeah. So that's the uh, that's the bulk of their draft. Do you have a day three overall grade? Maybe an overall grade for the draft? It just doesn't move the needle for me. Is the thing, and I've I've said this,
0: I think on Twitter, maybe that was only direct messages a couple times. It's a fine draft overall. The Drew Sample pick really weighs it down, but if we readjust our expectations for Drew Sample and maybe say. Okay, the league saw him as a day two guy. Yeah. Maybe they maybe they went you know ten picks early on him. Then you see it a little bit differently. That pick still weighs it down for us in terms of our grading. It should. And I think Jonah Williams is a great pick. I like Jermaine Pratt quite a bit. I wish they had gone for uh somewhere in the fourth, you know, late fourth round before he went off the board yeah. because I think. Everything points to the fact that Ben Burkervin is going to be a really good player, and he went yep. to Seattle, where I think he will be a good player. Yep. Uh, Renell Wren has a lot to prove. There's athletic upside there. Ryan Finley is a day one backup. Michael Jordan is a day one backup.
1: Yep. Rodney Anderson, I think, has got a lot of upside for love, being your love third the or running fourth. backs.
0: Yep. yep. Hope, hope Rodney Anderson can get healthy because there's a lot to like there, and really like Stanley Morgan out of the undrafted free agents they have. Stanley we love Morgan Stanley is. Morgan.
1: Yeah, he should have been. He should have
0: been picked. According to
1: a lot of people, I was. I say. thought he'd go in the fourth or fifth. Yeah, he had a very similar grade. So if you're listening to this and you like Paris Campbell, he and Paris Campbell for us had similar grades, almost neck and neck. Only I think point two is the difference between them. Uh, if you watch Stanley Morgan, very quick feet. Look at his three cone, really good. He, he grades out as an elite athlete for relative athletic score and ball skills. Man, downfield one-handed catches, jumping, leaping over guys. People have said, you get shades of Odell Beckham Jr. Now he's not that. He went undrafted. We know this. I don't know why he went undrafted. Point being is, I think he could be the fourth best receiver on this roster right now. Uh, I think he's going to make the team. I think this is a free fourth-round pick, in my opinion. Now he graded out as a 69.7, which would be the lowest guy they actually drafted, which is interesting, but... Uh, in my opinion, I really like Stanley Morgan, and I think once we got into the undrafted range, for sure, I would have taken him. For Once we got in the 6th, 7th round and I thought they were going to take a receiver, I was looking at Stanley Morgan hoping they would take him. Now, the one knock against him in our metrics is his breakout age. Is, Which is the same uh, as Paris Campbell. Yeah, exactly. Before you so, yep. So and that's why they probably got close to each other in grading. But uh, so if you like Paris Campbell and I had the same knock, knocks on Campbell and I thought he shouldn't, you know, I, for me, I, we were talking day two definitely, and some were saying first round. We we weren't on that boat. Uh, Stanley Morgan is a really good pickup as an undrafted guy, and I said this too when the draft concluded. I I, I tweeted out there <laughs> if you're an undrafted receiver and a top one of the top guys, sign with the Bengals. You got a chance to crack this depth chart, and I think Stanley Morgan does. Yeah, and just
0: looking at the PFF data on Stanley Morgan, because I'm sure you're all curious, he is not uh, the run-after-catch guy that Paris Campbell is. He ranked third in the class in deep pass receptions. He had 17 catches, yeah. 20 20 yards or more downfield. Uh, a lot of his yardage came from that area of the field, but also had a third of his yardage from run-after-catch, so has some of that to his game. So a different kind of player than Paris Campbell. Paris Campbell's a guy you're going to run over the middle of the field, and he'll take yep. off downfield afterwards with track speed. Ran a four five three, So different kind of speed, good drop rate, 4.1%. That's a pretty low drop rate. That's what you like to see out of guys that are getting targeted deep a lot too. So a lot to like about Stanley Morgan. And like you said, I think he makes a team easy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, uh, Paris Campbell reminds me of a Percy Harvin, whereas Stanley Morgan reminds me more of a Marvin Jones. I put a lot of clips up, retweeted a lot on my timeline. You'll see deep catches, man, F- flying up, playing above the rim, one handers, your guys gonna like Stanley Morgan a lot. So overall, for this uh, for this draft, and you know what I've learned over the years is to trust the grade pre-draft. Uh, you'll convince yourself to like these guys once they're in stripes. Natural. If you're a super fan and you you love everything they do, yeah, I I understand why it's easy to like these guys and like every pick and defend every pick. I end up doing that. Also, I'm a fan, obviously. But go back to your pre-draft grades. Chances are. Drew Sample is not going to be worth the second round pick. Uh, Chances are Wren and Michael Jordan and Rodney Anderson are just going to be okay guys. Maybe give you a few plays here or there. Maybe never be starters or anything more than that and, and deal with the issues they had that they dealt with in college. So what does that mean? It means we'll probably end up with Jermaine Pratt and Jonah Williams being good starters, Ryan Finley being a solid backup, and that's the draft. Thinking of it that way, how do you grade that? It's a B minus. You know, you hope for these other guys to develop and surprise you, but the truth is maybe it's a C plus. And it's a solid uh,
0: C for me. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's probably a C plus range for me because I do think and I made this case that Jonah Williams may have limited upside. Uh, you just look at the history of Pro Bowl first round tackles, and they don't make the Pro Bowl with a with a relative athletic score under six, and he's under six. And Usually, the guys you look at last year's Pro Bowl roster from the NFC, all of them had elite athletic scores. It's yeah. very important. It's not just you know, oh, this guy didn't run this fast, so you guys didn't like him. It's no, it's history says the more athletic you are, the better the football player you have a chance of being. And yeah, these aren't people, opinions, right? This, right, is, this right, is historical data.
0: data that nobody Jonah Williams will have to beat the odds to some
1: degree. Yeah, and people are like, well, what about his mental state and his technique? Isn't that all great? Yes, it is. But you also get. That in Trent Williams, you know, you also get that with Tyron Smith that are elite athletes and mentally tough and technique wise and turn into freaks and potential Hall of Famers. That's that is the formula. The formula isn't to take a average athlete with average size and that, uh, the guy that does everything mentally. I mean, that's that's in a different position. That's Tim Tebow. Well, how come he didn't make it? Because he, what, he didn't have the talent. So I'm not saying Jonah doesn't have the talent. I'm just saying what they took here is way different than a and Fisher. What they took with Jonah was a high-floor, lower-ceiling type guy, which is what they need. They can't afford to miss on the whole line anymore. Last two drafts, high-floor, low-ceiling, and Billy Price and Jonah Williams, that should at least get them to the point of having an offensive line that isn't killing them in every play. Good thing. Those are good things. But if you're expecting them to be the best left tackle in the league and be a pro bowler and be an all-pro, it's it's unlikely. This, the odds are against them based on history. So if you look at it through that prism and this this, this draft as a whole – it probably is a C plus it probably is just an okay draft and you you hope for the best with guys like ren michael jordan and maybe ronnie anderson gets healthy and ends up being a fantastic backup
0: and you hope for the best with sample too you hope that you know he can develop as a receiver they they have well they have a totally different coaching staff now who knows You
1: hope for all of these guys we all have hope for them but the truth is most guys are exactly who they are in in college
0: I was just going to point to their track record of developing tight ends, and then I remembered. Not very that, good? <laughs> no, well, CJ Uzama they developed, and I think Tyler Croft is a solid pro. Yeah, you're right. Okay, and you know what the difference
1: there is? Well, there's they, a new coach. James Casey, yeah. is a tight ends coach now. That That's true, and it's a new head coach and all that. I was going to say, you know what the difference is, and, and a helpful one is, those guys were allowed to back up for a long time and work on their craft and develop and they both seem like good, smart, mentally tough guys, and Drew Sample seems the same way too. Uh, If you work on your craft and you've got the time, you can get much better, and Drew Sample should have that. He should be able to play just enough to get development, but be the third guy where he's not being leaned on and being thrown out there, and and really, I think that can stunt your development at times, even though experience is good. I think that's why they're getting a good mix of development at tight end with Croft and Uzamba, but uh, it doesn't mean it'll happen with with Sample. It, It could. It doesn't mean it will. I mean... He was valued for by a lot of people as a day-three pick for a reason. I think James Casey sees a little bit of himself in
0: Drew Sample, to be honest with you. I mean, but James Casey isn't a second-round pick. No, I didn't say that. Right. Uh, <laughs> I, I, my thing with this draft is, it, like I said, it doesn't move the needle. I don't see how this makes them better this year. I don't see how this makes them better in the future. This no, is it, like a, it's a treading water draft. I think the team is going to be much the same as they were Last year, And if they have a remarkable run of health again and maybe get better than expected play at a few positions, that is how they end up with a winning season again. But on paper, in terms of what I see from them, in terms of the rest of the league getting better, it it doesn't seem like this team is much better after this offseason. And I'm talking about free agency, too, because you signed Bobby Hart. That literally is the same player they had last year who was really bad in that spot. They signed John Miller. Marginal improvement. Draft Jonah Williams. Preston Brown. Yeah, so Jonah Williams changes the offensive line a little bit. Preston Brown, Jermaine Pratt comes in, changes your
1: linebacker group a little bit. But as we've seen also, uh, rookie tackles are in mixed bag as rookies. It's usually year two when you really get that positive influence on your team. So if you're expecting 2019 to be different because they drafted Jonah Williams, well, I mean, it's a flip of a coin. It doesn't have to be better just because you got Jonah. It could be very similar to Bobby Hart, and I know that sounds crazy, but that's how rookie tackles seem to perform around the league based on history.
0: That's rookies generally. You look at Pro Football Focus; yeah. they went out and said, you, "You know, you have a very small chance of getting a rookie who's going to the Pro Bowl." Right? About about maybe ten percent of rookies play better than veterans, right. and there's an exact number out there from I think it was PFF Mike PFF Mike Renner. You go check him out somewhere on his timeline. He said how many rookies you can expect to actually be better than you know your average veteran.
1: So one of the things we'll do is we'll look at 2017 and 2018 drafts in the next coming weeks, right, and see which guys are ready to make their second and third year jumps. Yep. Because I think, if anything, winners of this uh, draft class, John Ross and Joe Mixon. Their first two picks in 2017, Ross, because there's no competition at receiver. He's definitely the number three guy going into the year. There's going to be a lot of plays for him, a lot of a lot of opportunities for John Ross to prove himself, which is great. I, I, I love that they did that. Um, I would have liked a backup, but I do love that they they clearly defined it with Ross by not sp- spending a top three pick, in my opinion, on a receiver. Um, and then for Mixon. They drafted a lot of run blockers. Jonah Williams, I, see, I saw people. He only gave up one sack. He's a much better run blocker than he is pass blocker, in my opinion. in, in terms of uh, him separating himself from the rest of the pack, he's a very good run blocker. And then drafting a run blocking tight end also strengthens, strengthens that. So, in my opinion, they really have leaned on Mixon in, in with this draft. They really, they really gave every opportunity for John Ross to show himself. And then we'll get into 2018 when we when we review this also opportunities for those guys to step up and, and, and make a play. So really I had put this up on the lockdown account on Twitter. Also asking is next year, are we going to go and They spend a third round pick at a linebacker. We're probably going to go into next year saying they still need a linebacker as one of their top needs, right? I mean, they've drafted third round linebackers before their, their last three, Dawson vigil and Blake Jefferson. There's no saying that Pratt's going to hit the ground running new staff. I understand. Uh, but you know, there's just a good of an opportunity that, it's Jefferson that's starting over Pratt or whoever else you can come up with, Jordan Evans. I mean, we could be coming into next year saying they need a linebacker and really the only guy they got out of this draft was Jonah Williams at that point.
0: Yeah, we could could next year come out and say, oh yeah, you guys remember Jordan, or what's his name, Jermaine Pratt? And the same way we're talking about Malik Jefferson this year, like, oh yeah, they drafted him last year. Maybe he's going to be a guy. We could be saying the same thing about Pratt next year. I think a lot of people are expecting Pratt to be more of an early impact guy. And we talked about... Jefferson last year as being more of a guy that needs development yep but I mean they're both third, they're both third round linebackers
1: yep it, it, it's it is at this point I think the rosters what they did do is they got deeper I think on the offensive line for sure we've mentioned that I think adding Renel Ren helps it's weird to me that they spent a lot of time with edge guys and didn't come away with one I mean, uh you say know no
0: more look for him
1: to sign with them sometime today tomorrow. right but does he make it even make the roster at that point I Who think knows? uh Here's the other thing, too, right? One position we said that they was definitely – uh, we thought a need, a high need, I, I made the argument for it, was that nickel interior guy, it's Kerry Wynn at this point. Or unless Hubbard and, and Willis figure out how to do it, uh, that that may be an issue this year. So that's something to keep an eye on. Yeah.
0: Well, that will probably do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We'll be back probably not tomorrow. We need a day off. We've done seven days in a row now. We'll figure out what we're doing next. We're going to talk about the undrafted guys. We're going to talk about the guys from 17, 18 that have an opportunity to step up and it's time to start prognosticating, start talking about the 2019 season, how these guys are going to fit in and sooner than you can believe it. The rookie mini camp starts, I think in two weeks and
1: that'll lead us right into that.
0: Off we go. That's it. So thanks for sticking with us through this 2019 NFL draft. Joe, you should give yourself a quick high five, real quick. I know you've done it on Twitter. Take your victory lap for your mock draft.
1: No, I like to say thank you at this point. To be honest with you, I appreciate the new followers I gain, the opportunities I gain, the people that actually want to hear my opinion and and will use it and and, and support it and promote it. Uh, honestly, I this is my time, and I this is my favorite part of the year, and this is when I get them grow the most and and get, gain the most career growth. So. I appreciate everyone that that either knew or has stuck with me for a long time or with us and uh I just want to say thank you and and yeah, I did I had some success this year and uh I I think that's what I expect at this point to be honest. Your most
0: accurate mock draft of all time.
1: It was. It was definitely um just you got three players and actually I said Rodney Anderson at pick two eleven and that's where they picked him. So I mean sixth round that's uh, that's fantastic. I've had six rounds before, Marquise Flowers being one of them. Uh but to hit three guys and the positions that they were going to pick, I mean, I said that they are going to take a quarterback in the fourth. I said they take an offensive lineman and D tackle next. They did that. Um, yeah, I, I surprised myself with this. And I said receiver as the last pick, and they didn't take a receiver, but then they didn't take one. So I think that's a pretty close miss for a seventh-rounder. Yeah.
0: You know what I'll take credit for? What's that? Is is when... The lions were on the clock at eight and took Hawkins. And I said, the next three picks are going to be Ed Oliver, Devin yep. Bush, Jonah mm-hmm. Williams. You're right. That's Good what job, I Martin. did in the moment of the draft, 30 minutes before the Bengals pick. I predicted the next three picks. Joe predicted a six round pick.
1: That's something I, I predicted think, Jonah Williams too, which I think a lot of people did. I, it's funny. I was sharing. Here's the, I'll get a little insight. And we probably talk about this Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, what it looks like from my perspective on these draft days. Uh, the DMS are wild, man, from people that are insiders, from other writers, from people that work in the NFL, a lot of information getting shared. I, people are looking for, Hey, what do you, what is your team going to do here? I mean, this is, a guy that works for other teams and i don't know if i want to tell him or not and this is a whole conversation i think we should do this and talk about how this goes the process is pretty wild but i'm curious the, the i i most, don't i don't get that kind of i know stuff. i don't share it with everyone but then there's other writers and other draft guys that are looking for information some of your favorite draft writers national guys are asking me who they should put for the Bengals in their mock draft. So when you come and you share them with me, hey, did you see so-and-so put this guy? I'm like, yeah, well, and it's because I told them they should. And uh, and I got feedback that when they were asking. I said, put Jonah Williams there in that scenario. He was like, oh, I don't think Jonah Williams would be there. And I'm like, ah, okay, maybe he won't be. But your scenario is kind of lending towards Jonah or it's lending towards Dillard or jo- Juan Taylor, who both guys went way later than expected, right? That, that if the Bengals would have taken one of them, that in hindsight, would have been a much of a reach, huh? So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just... I, we will have that conversation. It's very interesting behind the scenes for the media or the draft next in that in these three days.
0: Yep, that'll be a fun one. Uh, this time, I'll mean it when I say that'll do it for the Lockdown Bengals podcast. It has yeah. been fun for us. Uh, I, I gained a lot of followers too. Thank you all to those of you that are new to me. Uh, I appreciate y'all valuing my opinion. It's been fun working with Joe again. We always have a good time when we do these little projects together. We'll see you later this week. We'll talk about the draft. We'll talk about 2019, what we're expecting for the season, and keep on going. That's been the Locked On Bengals podcast. Remember to check out Abco Safety and have a great Sunday, Bengals fans.